0: Good morning everybody, so glad you're here, either here in person or virtually, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending when you watch this. As you can see, I am not Jen, I am Haley, it's good to be here. Um, Jen is in Bellingham with her family, visiting extended family, it's also Cam's last weekend before he goes back to Haiti, and Brooklyn has a tournament, basketball tournament, so go Brooklyn, hope you're doing great. We know you are, but so they are there right now. So I'm doing announcements, It's short and sweet. So we only have two of them. So we'd like to hear from you guys. So fill out that communication card. So whether you're in here, you're online, go to brookview.com, select contact, and then fill that out. We fill out the bubbles or different things that pertain to you, and we'd love to hear from you. Boom. Okay, next one. If you are interested in attending in-person church, we would love to see you. We have all of them at brookview.com for you to RSVP through the end of March. So if you're a planner, you can do it. If you're not, now's a good time to start. You can fill that out. I know Jen's mentioned that they get a little ding every time someone RSVPs, so that's really fun for them to see. And since they're not here, they'll get a ton hopefully over the weekend for the rest of March. But you can do that. And we'd love to see you guys come more and more each week. More people are coming in person. We do that socially distant, so it's it's um, safe and legal. And we'd love to have you guys be here if you're comfortable. All right. So, again, just go to brookviewchurch.com backslash church. And then I'm going to pray for Casey as he makes his way up here. Um, so go ahead and bow your heads with me. Dear Lord, thank you for this community, this place where we're able to worship you and to hear more. Um, about you and who you are and your love for us, I pray that you speak through Casey this morning and that you reach us in ways we never knew that we could hear your voice, Lord. So um, I say these in your name, Amen. I don't know
1: what to do now. <laughs> hey guys, um, like Kaylee said, my name's Casey. Um, Jason, who is the head dog here. Um, that Jen is his wife. They're away on vacation um, this week, so you get, you're you stuck with me. Um, and I'm just going to jump right into it this morning. Uh, so John 5, chapter 7, it says, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And I just love that sentiment theory. I'm trying. I'm trying, Like I, I promise you, I really am trying. Like, I might not be hitting the mark, but I'm trying. And this encounter between Jesus and this man, this, this invalid, this man at the pool, I don't know about you, but man, can I relate to him? Like, I, I, I'm trying my hardest, God, to, to be better, to make a difference, to, to make an impact, to be a good example, to, to, to have an open mind, to maybe look at things through a different perspective, I'm trying. And I think sometimes what can be so frustrating is when we are giving our best effort, but what is required of us is actually beyond our ability. Just like this man, he's, he's trying, but what's required of him is beyond what he can actually physically do. And you, you must have really had to trust Jesus back when he walked the earth, to follow him. You hear people say, like, oh, I wish I followed Jesus when he was on earth. Like, it would have been, oh, man. Like, it would have been, like, easier. You know, he's he's not visible like he is, like he was back then. Like, it, it, it would have been so cool. No, it wouldn't. It would have been so hard and difficult to trust Jesus. And, and he was always getting into trouble and And having to explain, we're gonna get the ring and figured out, guys, don't worry. And and try and explain, like and 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 explain like what happened and why he did it. And and for the disciples and and the people like this man who Jesus encountered, they must have just had to have this crazy amount of trust in Jesus. Let's uh, let's back up a little bit and and get a little context here. So sometimes later, uh, John chapter 5, verse 1, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which, is, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. It means House of Mercy. And it's surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the, and the paralyzed. It's important to note, before I go on, that this was a specific dwelling place for people who had physical ailments. And the reason I point that out is because I'm going I'm to kind of draw some parallels between um, their physical stuff to our spiritual um, problems. And I don't want us to miss the context for the sake of application. I think that would be irresponsible Bible teaching. And so the people here um, at this particular pool, this was not a resort pool. No one's bringing you umbrellas and your drinks at this pool. This is, this is a crowded pool. There is pushing, there is shoving. And word has it, that when the angel comes and stirs the water intermittently, if you get in first, you can be healed. And this puts certain people who have a certain disability at an advantage over others. For instance, if you were blind, you could probably feel yourself and feel your way down to the edge of the pool and and hop in at the right moment. But if you're paralyzed, if you're paralyzed, you're at a disadvantage. Because you can get yourself to the edge of the pool, but someone can just pull you back and you can't get in at the right moment, and, and you're left kind of powerless, and that's, I think, something interest, interesting about life. Kaylin um, and I, my wife, we go back to Ohio um, over the summertime um, to spend time with her family, and we always go to this, um, this huge amusement park called Kings Island. It puts, it puts Silverwood to shame, I'll tell you that much. And last time we were there, I saw this, this, this really good dad, he was wearing a fanny pack. He didn't look like he was happy. Like, he didn't look like, you know, like, oh, these are the days, like making memories. And I'll say it like this he didn't look selfie ready. But do you know what I liked about him? Is he, was, he, he was carting this wagon, and he had, he, had, he had all these snacks, looked like he was maybe on snack duty for the day. And I just admired him because he was trying. And I, I watched him pull this wagon around. And I just sat there and watched him, I was like, he is really trying. And he was like sweating through his shirt, and he looked like he maybe spilt a little something, and it was just, he looked all sweaty, but he was trying. And I always loved the scripture that Jesus said he, said, he said he looked at one man, and he loved him. And I've thought about that a lot lately, how Jesus would show up for one person. And, and he, he looked for someone who was maybe at a disadvantage. And so he, he comes to the pool of Bethesda, and I'm sure his disciples were kind of shocked, like, you're, you're spending your time, you're wasting your time with what they would call people who are, who are crippled. It's not a PC term, but that's how they would have said it um, back then. And sickness in that time was connected to spiritual disorder. Judaism uh, in, in the first century made a strong connection between your spiritual condition and your physical condition. So if you had, let's say, a lot of money that was proof that you were living right, you were doing something right, um, and that's kind of, you know, there's a tendency to judge things by the physical. But, but, but I kind of picture Jesus walking around and, and asking questions. Because one interesting thing in the text, I'm going to point this out to you because uh, it's too cool just to kind of reference. It's in verse 5. It says, the One who was there had been, been, been an invalid for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him lying there and learned. Now, what stood out to me about that text wasn't that Jesus like, saw him. What stood, out to, what stood out to me about that text wasn't that this man had issues. We all have issues, and frankly, we all have areas of paralysis. On this particular occasion, what stood out to me is it says that Jesus learned. I didn't know he could do that because he is the image of God. He is the wisdom of God, I didn't know the wisdom of God could 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 learn information. So so I figured he must have been walking around going, how about how about her? How long has she been here? Ah she she just got here last week. Okay now not not her. How about him? How about that that blind guy? How long has he been here? That's recent. Two months? Jimmy two months? Yeah. Two months. Two months. What 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 about that one? Three years. Getting closer. We'll put him on standby. Because he's looking for someone to bless. He's looking to perform a miracle. He's looking for a platform to, to show his power. And what, what about him? Five years. Okay. What about, what about her? Seven. Getting closer. What about him? Nine. Okay. And then I think finally someone figured it out, like, okay, if you're looking for someone who's been here for a while, I kind of see what you're doing here, 38 years long enough that they had given up hope that anything could ever be different. And Jesus learned that there was one. And here's what I think is so crazy about this passage. Verse 5 says one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. What does it mean that Jesus who only had three years to do ministry stopped by and, and he was on his way to a feast, but he stopped for one person. Does it mean, could it mean, that out of everyone I'm preaching to today, out of everyone who, who came here, who, who, who's streaming in live, that Jesus might have come for the one person who's pulling a wagon just trying to get through the week. The one person who who's had the worst week, the one person who had a really rough upbringing. It says, one was there who was lying there for so long, and you can kind of tell in his response to Jesus that, Jesus asked him that, you could kind of tell he's just, he's tired of trying. He's tired of trying. My message today is for anyone who's tired of trying in any area of your life. Maybe tired of trying to repair a, a significant relationship, tired uh, of trying to be open just so that you can experience relationship, tired of, of trying to overcome the thing that you keep going back to, and, and maybe it's been since you were a teen, and, and now you're a grown man, and now you're, you're tired of trying, because there was a time where I tried to get people to help me into the pool, and then I found out that there's no one to help me. Now, what's mind-blowing about this situation at the pool at Bethesda, is how many different ways I've heard this preached that, that, that completely contradicts the heart of God. For instance, when Jesus comes, he, he comes up to the man, he learns that he's been lying in, in this condition for like a long time. And how many of you have been, have been in, in, in a certain condition for a long time? How many of you have been stuck in a, in a, in a certain negative pattern of thinking? for a long time, like a long time. I don't know how old this man was, but 38 years. I still have eight years to go to even be that old. 38, that's a long time. So long that he is now unable uh, to, 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 to even recognize like the help that's standing in front of him. He can't even see it. And Jesus asked this question that I oftentimes hear misinterpreted. When he says, do you want to get well? Tone is everything. That's why you can't text every conversation. Because tone is everything. Sometimes you just have to pick up the phone and call someone. Because completely depending on the tone is how you hear the heart of God. And I always kind of read this for a long time. Like Jesus said it like this. Do you want to get well? That's kind of how I always thought he said it. I almost kind of see him now like he's got something in his back pocket. And he's sneaking around the, the colonnades. And, and they say that God helps those who help themselves, but I, it's like he's almost looking for someone who can't. And he says to him, Hey, I, I see you're caught in this situation. Do you want to get well? I think that's the, that's the heart. And the man, he, he has every reason, I think, to be suspicious. Because can you imagine how many people have tried to take advantage of him in almost 40 years of suffering? How many hustlers have come through the pool of Bethesda trying to sell a, a magic potion? You know, hey, man, take this magic cream, rub it on your legs, and I promise you it's blessed. Or, hey, man, I'll, I'll help you get down to the pool, and I'll, I'll push you in at the right moment, but you know, pay, pay me half now and, and, and then half after the move. I promise, I'll, I'll carry you in, I promise. How many times has someone made him that promise? Because it seems cruel that Christ the expression of love would ask this man, who can't even move, such a ridiculous question. Like, do do you want to lose weight? Well, yeah. Do you want to be happy? Yeah. Do you want to live at peace without anxiety? Yeah. What are you selling? Because I've heard that spiel before. I've heard that diet. How many of you have heard about that diet? You know, I, I put a meditation app on my phone, and I promise you I really tried, but I would just end up like falling asleep. But everyone tells me to meditate. The Bible says meditate. Russell Brand tells me to meditate. Joe Rogan, and if Joe says it, it must be true, tells me to meditate. Everyone's telling me to meditate. And I tried it, but man, I just always fall asleep. They also taught me about portion control. And they said, you know, someone told me, here's how you stay at the ideal weight. When you're full stop eating. The only problem I never found full, right? <laughs> I think that gauge got broken somewhere in my childhood. My dad used to make us big meals and I never felt full, so I kept eating. I tried that. Do you, do you want to get well? Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying. I think when when you get to heaven, this dude whoever he is in John chapter 5, He's going to have a long line of pastors and preachers standing in line to apologize to him for how we misinterpreted his story in John chapter 5. Because I've heard everything. I've heard it said that in 38 years, he should have been able to crawl or roll himself down to the edge of the pool. It's like, okay, like that would work, because then someone who's stronger would just pull you back at the right moment, and you're still powerless to fall in at the right time. Besides... When has Jesus ever taunted someone into transformation? You really think that's the spirit of the Savior? Some of us do. Some of us picture God in our mind, our conception of God like you, you don't want it bad enough. You know, if you would have done it different when they were 8, they wouldn't have been in so much trouble when they were 18. See, you messed them up. Some of us really think that that's how God sounds. So it's no surprise to me when when we hear Jesus say, do you want to get well, that he has kind of a snarl, you know, do you even want to get well? Do you even lift, bro? You know? (laughs) So why did he ask it? Why did he ask the man, do you want to get well, before he helped him get up and walk? And as I thought through that this week, I realized that before Jesus could help him walk, he had to help him want. He had to help him want. I don't know who this is for, but God is dealing with, with, with your desires in the season of your life. And you've been disappointed over and over and over. And every time you try, no one, nobody notices. And every time you try, you come up short. Sickness is cyclical meaning it comes around, it goes around. You're, you're well for a little while, and it's the same thing all over again, except this time, it's a little worse. Because, because now, nothing's, nothing's changed. I'm back at the beginning, and nothing's changed, so now so now, you've cycled through it one more time just to realize, well, maybe I'm just a cynical person. Maybe I'm just negative. Maybe that's just the way I am. Maybe no one in my family was meant to go to college. Because when you hang around the colonnades with sick people long enough, sickness becomes normal. And you start to, start to realize it's easier just to accept the condition than to challenge it, because to challenge the condition means to risk disappointment. And some of us have tried and got blocked. And we tried and we got blocked. And we tried and we got blocked. And now people think, you don't care. No, no, I care. I cared so much, but, but they didn't care back. And I tried so hard, and I still got looked over. No, no, you, you don't know how hard I tried. And then when, when your expectations get damaged by disappointment, it's a slow damage. It's a slow tearing of the muscle fiber. It's a slow deterioration of your hope by disappointment. It's not one event that creates it. It's over and over, and over, and I tried, and I tried, and I, and I smiled, and I showed up, and I start to lose hope. And the man has finally gotten to the place where I think, I think he's tired of trying. Are you? Are you? It's supposed to be the Sabbath. It's supposed to be a day of rest. Why did Jesus come to the pool on a day of rest to perform a miracle? You're not supposed to to do work on the Sabbath, but I think he knew what he was doing. Because watch this. Jesus, he walks up on the Sabbath, and when he tells the man in verse 8, get up, pick up your mat, and walk, he's trying to get the man to break the Sabbath. So he he comes up to him and says, hey, what's in your heart? Because until we fix that, I can't, I can't help your legs. I need to heal your will before I can heal your legs. And so here's what Jesus does that we don't like. Here's what he does. He calls BS. Watch this. He, he calls BS. And I don't know what you're thinking right now, but I'm talking about broken system. <laughs> broken system. See, ah, gotcha. See, now there's one thing in the text that doesn't make sense unless you understand Unless you understand the historical context. And when he says, I keep trying, I keep trying, and I'm trying my hardest, but, but someone always beats me. And, and, and I can't move. In fact, I can't move at all. And so I'm trying, and every time I try, I get blocked. Or you know, And Jesus says, that's because, that's because the system is broken. And you'll notice in verse 4, I forgot to read it, uh, John 5, 4. Can we put that up, James, verse 4? Well, verse 4 unlocks the whole thing. We don't have it? It's not in the manuscript. They added that verse later. It's not in the original manuscript. Okay, they added that verse later to explain the situation. So they added a verse. So a lot of times, when a situation in my life doesn't make sense to me, I add a verse. Out of verse. You know how it is. It's like, rather than, than deal with this situation, I would rather explain it in a way that excuses me from having to deal with it. There's a reason verse 4 isn't there, because it's not there. There's some stuff you are putting in your story that doesn't belong there, because God never said it, and it's not true anymore. See, what the man said reflects a broken system and it reflects a bad story. That's another BS. Some of us are are believing some really bad stories, and this man has been telling himself a story. 38 years, nobody wants to help me. Everyone's out to get me. Every time I try, no one wants to help me. It's, It's the same thing over and over. So here comes Jesus, and he's new to the scene. This man doesn't know Jesus, and he's standing there, and this man is rightfully skeptical. Because like I said, how many times has has he been wronged? And he's in a broken system where the religious leaders want to let the first ones in and keep everyone else back. And unless you're this holy, unless you've kept the law this good, you can't be healed. Of course he's stuck. Of course he's stuck. He's stuck in a broken system. And so are some of us. He's stuck in a bad story. And so are some of us. And we've inserted verses that aren't even there to explain why we are the way we are. And we think it's our job to suffer. And you know, to, to suffer for Christ and to suffer for the good of others, that's one thing. But to suffer the shame that He already took away for you is to snatch back what He did on the cross. It is not your job to suffer like that. It's not your job to suffer like that. It's a broken system. I'm telling you, religion is a broken system. That's why Jesus went for one person here, to show us that it's about relationship. I want to deal with you one-on-one. I want to speak to you like a person, not like you're some kind of project, not like you're some kind of like defect. I, 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 don't, I don't have anyone to help me in. Trust me, I'm, I'm trying. I'm really trying. And if you knew how hard I was trying, you wouldn't make fun of me like that and ask me a question like, do I want to get well? I don't have anyone to help me. And see, that statement was true five minutes ago. But the situation has changed. What he said used to be true, and it was true for a long time. And then grace shows up at the pool of Bethesda. Five porches, five is the number of grace. There's always symbolism. There's levels in this text. Now, grace is here, and what used to be true isn't true anymore. Are you still stuck in something that used to be true but isn't true anymore? I mean, I bet he would be tired. 38 years of fighting off the vultures and, and, and 38 years of, of looking after yourself, and you kind of have to live that way until grace becomes the dominant reality in your life. And then Jesus, he, he comes into your life and, and everything changes. But sometimes we keep living off the old story, off the old system, the bad story. And he says, no one will help me. And Jesus says, I'm someone. I'm someone. Now the question is, how did Jesus command the man to get up if the man couldn't walk in the first place? And a careful reading of the text will reward us in this moment. Because one interpretation is that he was healed because his healing was was a reward for his obedience. That's religion. That's a bad story. Because the, the, the matter of the fact is, if trying harder could have made me better, I'd be better by now. I tried that diet. I wasn't going to do this. I wasn't going to do that. I tried that diet already. And if it could have worked, it would have worked by now. And so the man says, I'm trying. And Jesus says, trust me. Get up. Take up your mat and walk. And the man says, I'm trying. And Jesus said, trust me. I'm trying. Jesus said, trust me. That's the real task. Trust That's always been the real task, and Jason talked about that last week when it comes to reading the Bible, trusting that it is indeed the Word of God. Trust. John chapter 5 is not a text about being lazy, like, come on, get up, make your bed, get on the treadmill, today's your day, you can do it. This isn't a pep talk. This is a complete reversal of the systems of this world. It's a contrast between works and grace. That's why it had to happen on the Sabbath. Because the moment he picked his mat up, he was doing work. And the moment he was doing work, the people in charge didn't like it because you're not supposed to do work on the Sabbath. The whole reason Jesus showed up for one person was to overturn the entire system. And and maybe there's one situation in your life right now that God is trying to use, and by addressing it, it will overturn the entire system. Because up until this point, you're trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to love God. I'm trying to pray more. I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to eat broccoli. I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be better. And God says, "I, I see you trying, but will you trust me? Will you trust me enough to get up even when you don't think you can? Enough to, to praise me when you don't feel like praising me. Do you trust me enough? I know you're trying, but do you trust me? This is, this, is a, this is a trust moment, a trust decision. And frankly, sometimes my trying actually gets in the way of my trusting. And this man got up and got healed, and you keep thinking, well, 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 I can be healed if I just get up. But you can't. But you keep trying. And you keep trying. And and the funny thing to me about this text is the man says, "I'm trying," and Jesus said, "So am I. So am I. I'm trying to help you. You couldn't reach the water. I know that you grew up in a household that was broken." and there might have been some abuse. And I know you're trying to be a better man than your dad was. or I know you're trying to be a better mom than your mom was. And I know you're trying to figure things out, and I see you trying. and I see you trying, and and since you can't get to the water, I brought the water to you. And what it does when you get up, when you didn't think you could, it shocks the system. It shocks the system. God said, some of, some of us, are, are we've been lying in this condition for 38 years, and I brought you to church today, not so that we could just sing a few songs and, and hear a few words, but I, I want to shock the system. I want to stir up the waters. I want to heal, watch this, your will. The man, his, his will had to, be, had to be healed before his legs could be. And some of us, and sometimes myself, we lose that will, that will to, to love, that will to be sweet, that will to be forgiving, that will to be whole. And, and sometimes you don't even want it anymore because I tried to want it and, it and it hurts to have hope. And then when you're disappointed time and time again, it's like, oh, like I said, it's that slow tearing where the hope, it just, it just kind of goes away. And Jesus said, I want to help you walk, but first I have to help you want it to want the right things again for the right reasons, to have the right desires. I've, uh, I've mentioned this before. Um, when, I, when I lived in Australia, I worked on this property that had a, a really big pool. And if you ever owned a pool, you can know um, how, much, how hard it is and how much work it takes to keep a pool looking kind of like crystal clear. It's pretty challenging. Um, but part of the process is that you have to shock the water. Uh, It's a treatment that helps kind of clean and neutralize. Um, I don't don't really want to tell you all the things that it cleans and neutralizes. (laughs) Bacteria, sweat, other bodily fluids. (laughs) I'll let your imagination take care of the rest. So once a week, you have to shock the water. You have to shock it once a week. I come to church because sometimes my heart gets mixed up with some with some substances some contaminants, some some disappointments. Sometimes the world, it pollutes what's going on in here. And so I come to church, and please understand, I'm coming to treat my disappointments because I need living water. I don't want to die waiting by the pool. So I came to church, and and I don't know if this is why you came to church, for this reason, but but maybe God needs you to shock the water, to shock it. Jesus said, "I, I came to the pool at Bethesda, not just to look around and and go home and, and, and say a couple of nice prayers, but but I came to this pool, this this house of mercy, to shock the water. And maybe he brought you here this week because you've been in, in this state of, of disappointment. And, Casa, I'm, I'm about to shock the water. I'm about to stir it up. And you say, well, okay, but... God, he either does something or he doesn't. he doesn't. He doesn't just try. Well, But it said when Jesus went to Nazareth that he couldn't do many miracles there. It says he tried, but they tripped. So maybe he's saying, I'm trying. I'm trying to bring you the water. But we have to do the work and put in the trust and the faith. And I believe that there are many for whom this message is maybe just another Bible message, but I believe that there are some, and, and maybe even few, that this is the definitive word for your life. And you are like the man, and, and you've been paralyzed in an area of your life. And, and for a long time, you've been, you've, you've, been, you've been laying there, and you've been bitter for years about what your spouse did, about what your boss did, about what that family member did, and you've been trying. But this is not about trying. This is about trust. And you've been going back and forth and, and back and forth. And today, God is saying, let the water come to you. Let the water. That's what he said to the, to the, um, to the woman at the well, right? Waters of, of living water will, will be inside of you. But sometimes we can't get to the water. But Jesus said, no, no, no. I'll take care of that. Let me come to you. But we have to trust. In uh, the band, you guys can come up and, and join me as I close here. Father, we declare this our Sabbath, where we rest from our labor and enter into your grace. With every eye closed, if this has been a season of frustration for you, a season of of going to the pool over and over, and you've been blocked so many times now that quite frankly, you don't need God just to heal your legs or heal your bank account or heal that one compulsive area in your life, but you need Jesus to do what he did for that unnamed man in John chapter five and, and heal your will. And to just help you want him again. It takes trust and it takes faith. And this has been a word today for you. And there is an area of, of paralysis in your life, and you want, and you want Jesus to, to just come and bring you the water with with, with, with heads bowed and, and eyes closed and not looking around, just Just lift your hand for living water in this moment. And shock the water. Shock the waters. Worship shocks the waters. Worship stirs up the complacent heart. Shock the waters today. Maybe you've been stagnant and you've been complacent and you've been blaming everybody and everything else. And this is... It's just a time for you to, to not try harder, but to trust more and to yield and say, yes, I'll get up if you'll help me. Jesus, we know that you're trying. We know that you are trying and you're bringing the water, Lord, but help us, help our will to want it and to see it and to, to desire.